Hello, Open Arms. So great to be with you and have you with us today. For those who don't know, my name is Sean Booth, and the lead pastor here is we have one church in three locations in Newbridge and County Kildare, in South Dublin, and also here online. So we're so grateful that you've joined us online, and we'd love for you to join us in person, whether that's in Newbridge and Kildare or in South Dublin, as both of our churches and our kids' churches are open. So we'd love to have you there. But today we're starting a new series titled Jesus Is, where we're going to be looking at this series over these next few weeks, uh, the qualities and the character of Jesus. You know, we believe as a church, as open arms, that, that Jesus is the center. And for each of us, everything follows after Jesus and everything flows from Jesus. And we believe that, that we are called as Christians, as a church, to be centered in Jesus and for Jesus to be the center of our lives. So I'm really praying that this series will, will help you rediscover who Jesus is, but also will help you recenter him in your life as maybe there's just been so much busyness, so much distraction that you'll just come back to your focus being on Jesus. And this would really be maybe share with you from the Bible revelation for your life, revelation for you to receive, maybe to say, I, I didn't quite understand that about Jesus or that aspect of Jesus. So I'm really praying that this will encourage you today and also in the coming weeks. Well, firstly, we're going to be looking at a portion of scripture found in the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. It begins, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, the Son of Man was a reference that Jesus made to himself 80 times in the New Testament, and it's a direct reference to the Messiah or the Deliverer that had been prophesied many, many times in the Old Testament. And here he's asking his disciples, what, what, what are people saying about me? Who do people say I am? You know, what does your friends and your family, what is the culture of today and the society saying about who I am? In verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Here Jesus asks one of the greatest questions ever asked. In fact, probably the most important question for each of us to ask is, Who do you say I am? One scholar noted that it is the greatest question of all time, asked by the greatest person of all time, which has to be answered by everyone from all time. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? And throughout this series, we're going to be sharing with you many scriptures, many theological uh, insights and doctrine, be doctrinal beliefs, but but no matter how much insight or information that you hear and receive through this, no matter how much I tell you about Jesus, you cannot truly understand and comprehend Jesus for yourself until you experience him and encounter him for yourself. 
For the, for the true believer, the answer to this question, who is Jesus, the true believer can only answer that within their heart after they experience and encounter Jesus. As Jesus said to Simon Peter, this is not revealed through flesh and blood. This is only revealed by my Father in heaven. So as we go through this series and receiving great information and great, receiving great insight, I really want to encourage you to spend a time throughout this week and throughout the weeks that come spending time with Jesus, asking him to reveal himself to you that you will truly encounter him in a new way. So let me begin by asking you today, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Have you encountered him? Has he been revealed to you? And are you ready? Are you ready to discover more of him? Are you ready to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus and your understanding of who he is? And here's one of the greatest truths about Jesus. Our understanding and our view of Jesus Christ will not just define our life here on earth, but it will determine our eternity. This gives us so much hope because we know that no matter what goes on in our days and in our world, once our faith is in Jesus, we will be in his presence forevermore. That that gives us faith, hope, and confidence that we'll spend our life here on earth in relationship with him, but we'll spend eternity with him in person. So today is a biblical and theological overview of who Jesus is, and over these next five weeks, we're going to be looking at a particular aspect and char characteristic of who Jesus is and, and who he is in our life so we, that we can truly grow and deepen our relationship with him. So today I want to share with you five aspects of who Jesus is. And I really want to encourage you to take notes, to, to receive from this. We don't just want to be information that goes in one ear and out the other, but but information that goes from the, the head to the heart, that truly as we grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, we can grow in our relationship and who he is. So here's the very first aspect of Jesus that we need to grasp is Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is one part of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus as God, he was present from the very beginning. From the very beginning of time, we see in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word here is Jesus. Jesus was and is and always will be God's. For it says in verse 2, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. We see here that Jesus, as God, revealed himself before the incarnation, before he came to earth in human form, in the flesh. He was there at the very beginning of creation. For verse 3 says, through him all things were made. In Colossians 1.16 it says, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus is God and he is far greater than we could ever imagine. This is all things were created by him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. In him was life and that life is the light of all mankind. In fact, 
Jesus said of himself that he is God. In John 10, 30, he says, I and the Father are one. Jesus is and God are one in the same. John 8, 58 says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. We see here that Jesus is confirming that he existed before his human birth. He was alive and present as God even before creation itself. Even before, as he says, Abraham was born right at the beginning of, of creation itself. And he states his title is, I am. It's the exact same title that was used by God the Father when he revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 3 verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. We see here that Jesus is saying that just, just as God said to Abraham, just as God said to Moses, I am. I and the Father are one. Here we see Jesus is God. He was, is, and always will be God. And here's the second aspect. Jesus is God in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. Jesus is God incarnate, which, which means that Jesus is God in the flesh. Really, basically, Jesus is God with skin on. Jesus is, this is so important because this makes God real and tangible for us. This allows us to have a relationship with God through Jesus and a personal, intimate relationship where we can relate with him. But we know just as Jesus walked the earth as I do, just as he suffered, I suffered. Just as the feelings and the pain and the grief that he went through is the same as I am going through. We see here that we can relate to Jesus as Jesus is God in the flesh. Matthew one twenty three says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is God with us. Jesus is the fulfillment of God and the fulfillment of the plans and the purposes of God. Jesus, as God in the flesh, he expresses to us the image of the Father. You see, through the Son, we can have relationship with the Father. Through Jesus, we can see God the Father. 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. How... how can we be in relationship with God? How can we know God? Well, through Jesus, we can know the true God. We can be in relationship with Jesus, and through being in relationship with Jesus, God the Son, we are in relationship with God the Father. Here's the third aspect of who Jesus is. Jesus is Christ. Jesus is Christ. Christ is not his second name. He's not Mr. Christ. In fact, Christ was given to him after his death and resurrection from Matthew 16, 15 to 16 says, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. 
Jesus is Messiah. He is the promised one. The name Christ comes from the original Koine Greek of the translation Messiah in the New Testament. And so the name Jesus Christ really means Jesus the Messiah or Jesus the Anointed One for Messiah is translated directly to mean the Anointed One. We see here that Messiah or Christ was the name that was foretold or, or of the promised deliverer who would come to the people of Israel and be their great savior, be their great redeemer and anointed as prophet, priest, and king, as God himself. This was a belief held by the Israelites for thousands of years for, for many, many prophecies that were told. And we see here that the, the founders of the Christian church, both right throughout the Gospels and through Acts and continuing on into the epistles, they had all originally grown up in the Jewish faith. They were familiar with the prophecies that had been foretold, and they were convinced that Jesus of Nazareth was and is the promised Messiah, just as we believe as Christians, as a church, that Jesus is Christ. We see that from the beginning of the church that they preached this truth, they believed it in their heart. It was what made them stand out of the faith, of the Jewish faith, to the Christian faith, for they believe that Jesus had come as Christ, as the Messiah. For we do not need to wait for the one to come, for he is here and he will come again. And they knew that the, the power of Christ was held in Jesus, and they knew that the name Jesus Christ, the name Jesus, represents his humanity, and the name Christ represents his divinity. And together, Jesus Christ is fully human, and fully God. We see that there is over 400 unique Old Testament messianic prophecies, each unique to the other, that were fulfilled through Jesus in the New Testament. It is incredible to see each of these prophecies were, came to pass and were fulfilled in Jesus, really removing any argument that this was some accidental coincidence, that Jesus somehow came as this good man that others faked and held him up as Christ the Messiah for the probability of not just hundreds, but, but hundreds and hundreds of specific predictions, all each separate and important to the other, were all foretold through this one man, Jesus. You know, they are not just accidental or highly unlikely, but it is mathematically improbable. So therefore, it gives us the confidence and certainty that Jesus is Christ. Here's the fourth aspect, is Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of all lords. He is the King of all kings. Luke 2, 11 says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Luke 1, 32, 33 says, He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth to die for our sins. He came to be a sacrifice for us to take our place, to be our Savior and to establish his kingdom here on earth. He's the Lord of his kingdom, not just here on earth, but his kingdom in heaven. And it says his kingdom will never end. Although the Bible, it speaks of the humility of Jesus coming to earth to pay the price for our sins, we must never forget that Jesus is king. 
Jesus is Lord. Just as he came in his humanity, he expresses his divinity. Just as Jesus came as our Lord and personal Savior, he came as the Lord, the King of all kings and the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom, the kingdom of God for which Jesus came to establish on earth, is one that we are part of. It's one that open arms is part of. We, as a local church, we are part of the kingdom of God. We come under the rule of Jesus. In fact, the book of Hebrews, it says that he laid aside his majesty to come to earth. It's like this image and this picture of Jesus taking the crown of the king of all kings and laying it down and coming in human form as a baby. We see that in this act, that he, like us, he cried, he laughed, he hungered, he experienced trouble and pain, he experienced thoughts of temptation, he experienced insecurity maybe, he experienced all these things that we experience while he was Lord of all. We must never forget that Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess at one time that Jesus is Lord. And at this time that the phrase was coined, Jesus is Lord, among the the first century early church, this was at a time where the Roman rule was not just over Israel itself, but in fact it was over the then known world. And at this time, people would shout and exclaim, Caesar is Lord. We could relate to it in this modern day, maybe as culture is Lord. Maybe society is Lord. Our, our ways is Lord. Our, our wants and needs is Lord. And declaring for the first century church that Jesus is Lord was taking down the ruling establishment of Caesar is Lord and replacing it with Jesus is Lord. The same for us. When we declare that Jesus is Lord, we are replacing maybe the culture that we want to follow, the worldly ways, maybe our own ways, our own wants and needs, and coming back and surrendering and saying, Jesus is Lord. And our belief as a church is that we as a church, as a body, as a congregation, our homes, our lives, our very livelihoods are all to be under the rule of Jesus as King and as Lord. And our aim as a church, our aim as Christians, is not to fit into culture, but to replicate and represent the kingdom culture that Jesus came to rule here on earth and to establish based on the word of God. So we see here, Jesus is God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is Christ. Jesus is Lord. But here's the final aspect. And for us, really, as Christians, as believers, in our relationship with Jesus is probably the most important aspect to grasp and understand. And this is this. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Savior. The whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth, laying aside his majesty and establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth was to save us, to redeem us, to become the savior of all humankind now and forevermore. Without Jesus, we will have all been condemned by our sin. Without Jesus, there will be no hope for life. Without Jesus, there would be no hope for humanity. It's Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 2 says, As for you, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
we, without Jesus, pre-Jesus, we were like the walking dead. Dead in our sins and our transgressions. But verse 4 says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Jesus is our Savior. Matthew 121 says, She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is what is key. Whoever believes in him, all can come freely to Jesus. He is the Savior of all. He died once for all. And Jesus as our Savior, he came from heaven to earth to be our sacrifice to take our place. And even though we were dead in our sin, he came to be savior of all. And through placing our faith in Jesus, scripture says that we receive the forgiveness of our sins. We become justified just as if we had never sinned. We become clean. We become made righteous under the eyes of God through believing and having faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Mark 2 verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Luke 748 says, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus is our Savior, who not only forgives the sins of the world, he forgives our sins. He forgives your sins and my sins. The question we ask is, why? Why would he do this? Why would, why would God created this way where where he had to send his sacrifice. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Why did he choose to give his life for us? Why does he choose in his grace and in his mercy because of our faith to forgive us of our sins? Well, John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said these words, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. This is what Jesus is all about. Jesus gives his life for those he loves. And he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us as a people. Jesus Christ took the penalty of our sin upon himself. He suffered and died so that we may live. What's really disheartening is that there's still today those who refuse to accept Jesus as Savior. Still, there are so many people who refuse to accept and believe in Jesus as their Savior. And there will come a day, and the day is becoming closer, where they will have neither choice nor time. And Scripture tells us that Jesus, when he comes again, he will return as judge. Acts 10, 42 says he commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and of the dead. 2 Timothy 4.1 says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. Here's what's key. Jesus is the judge, and we are not. Jesus has not called us to be judge, jury, and executioner. He has called us as his people, as the church, to point to Jesus and allow him to be the judge. Here's what's also 
crucial for us to grasp is, well, what does Jesus judge us of? And here's what's interesting. No one will be judged for their sin. For Jesus paid for that. He paid the price for our sin. He has saved us from our sin. Jesus will judge us for refusing to accept his offer of salvation. Jesus will judge us for not accepting him as Savior. He has saved us of our sins. He has paid the price for our sins. He has redeemed us of our sins. And all he asks is that we would place our faith in him. When the time comes, we will not judged, be judged for all the things that we did and didn't do. We will be judged. Did you place your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you accept Jesus as your Savior? We see that we have been saved by his grace. And in that moment, the man Christ Jesus was crucified upon the cross for once for all, for all time, for those before and after who would ever come and forevermore. And once we place our faith in Jesus, we receive the forgiveness of our sins. And here's what is really difficult to grasp, but we need to hear today. People don't go to hell because of their sin. People go to hell because they don't believe in Jesus as their Savior. People don't go to hell because of their sin, for their sin has been paid. He took the penalty of our sin when he was crucified upon the cross. The price has been paid. People go to hell for refusing to accept Jesus Christ. So let me ask you again, who is Jesus to you? Who do you say that he is? Many have a convoluted picture of who Jesus is because of the historical church and historically Christians have, have represented Jesus in a way that expresses judgment rather than love. And I believe that if we were to grasp truly the revelation of Jesus and know that he is our Savior, that we as a church and as a people, even within our own communities and our own sphere of influence, if we were to represent that revelation of Jesus, people would flock to come to Jesus. If we would express that Jesus loves you, he's for you, he has saved you, he can be your savior, he can help you and give you hope and vitality and fulfillment and energy for your life, people would flock to Jesus. So let's, as a people, let's represent Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as the lover of our lives, as the one who has come because he loves us. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. We deserve to die for the sin that we've committed. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. Here's the good news in 1 John 4.9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Rather than allowing us to live in a hopeless, dark life, with a hopeless end, with an eternal death, he chose to take our place. He was sacrificed on our behalf so that we may live. John 3.16 says, Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. 
How can we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior? Well, Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Hey, I wonder, could you just, for a moment, just, I want to give you an opportunity today to place your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. If you want to, maybe if you're in a quiet place, you can close your, heart, your eyes and want to pray with you, pray a prayer in your heart, or if you're driving or whatever you're doing, if you're busy, I just want to ask you to take this opportunity to ask yourself the question, who do you say that Jesus is? Do you truly believe and know that he is God? That he is God in the flesh, that he is Christ the Messiah, that he is Lord, that he is the King of all kings, and do you believe that he is your Savior? And if not, I want to give you an opportunity to believe that today and to place your faith in him. So I wonder if you would pray this prayer with me and just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Today I choose to follow you. I believe that I am set free, that I am forgiven. And I declare that Jesus is Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I, I, I believe as a, as a pastor, as a Christian, we believe as a church that once you make that decision to follow Jesus and give your life to him, he forgives us of our sins. He forgives us of our transgressions. Now we can live every single day with the power of Jesus Christ living and active within us. If you've made that decision for the first time or recommitting to him, I'd love for you to go to openarms.e forward slash connect. You can fill out some of your details. You see some options there. You can say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. We want to reach out to you. We want to contact you through text or email this week and help invite you to, to next steps where we gather together. It's once a month over Zoom. We gather together to share who we are as a church, but also to hear your story. But also, I want to really encourage you, hey, if you haven't yet, come to one of our physical locations, whether in Newbridge and Calais or in South Dublin. We'd love to have you. We'd love to welcome you and meet you in person in a safe and a healthy way. But as we get ready to enter into this last song, let me pray for you. I pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.